Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Hey, race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circuits program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we uh, do our 2021 in review, our final show of the year. Joining me on for the spectacular is uh, Richard Uden and Louise Torres. Guys, how we doing? Hey, how's it going? It's almost a happy Christmas. Almost happy, yeah. Up. I mean, yeah, by the time the show, by the time you folks listen to the show, it'll probably be, it'll be Christmas. So, uh, so anyway, um, you know, another bit of sad news this morning, uh, when I popped open my, my news feed and I saw a, uh, a post from Brad Keselowski saying that he lost his dad, his dad, of course, Bob Keselowski, uh, who had raced in the Arca series and actually he won Arca championship at one point in time and raced in the truck series. And, uh, uh, yeah, I just, um, you know, just, we've had too many of these this year, uh, just, and sad, for the family and especially around the holidays, you know, there's always, it always seems that somebody goes around the holiday and just, it seems to be especially sad, but uh, you know, our thoughts go out to the Keselowski family. They've uh, that whole family has been, um, you know, big in uh, stock car racing for decades. So, uh, but uh, we are thinking about them, but, you know, since we are doing our year in review, um, I, I guess we could do a little in memoriam, uh, just mention all the folks we've lost this year. And it's, it's a pretty big list with some really big names on there, but you know, if we start to just think through who we've lost this year, we've lost team owners like Pat Patrick uh, and Frank Williams. We lost Max Mosley, who was the president of the FIA. Uh, we've lost journalists like uh, Murray Walker, um, Robin Miller, Bob Jenkins. Uh, we lost a number of drivers, uh, Carlos Reutemann, uh, both Unser brothers, Al and Bobby, uh, as well as Bobby Unser Jr. Uh, Johnny Dumfries passed away, Bob Bondurant, Andre Ribeiro, whose claim to fame was he's the first guy to take a Honda engine to victory in an IndyCar race. Um, uh, John West Townley, who uh, died in a bizarre circumstance, uh, as well as um, uh, Natalie Malliott was another just kind of odd death. She was the... Um, director at spa and uh, she also ran in the nascar euro series um you know we lost uh delma coward briggs cunningham uh nascar driver jack ingram eric mcclure uh rusty cruz t.e McHale, who was involved with honda uh he wasn't uh most of the casual fans won't know him but anybody 
in the paddock and in the sports knows TE. He was always there at the Honda always had the best hospitality events uh, in the paddock there. Um, you know, Rob foot was a marshal killed a branch hatch. Uh, Jason Dupas, Dupasquier, a motorcycle racer. Um, Carl Pasterak from NASCAR modified tour. Brian Lear, uh, the crew chief, Kerry Teague, uh, Graham McRae, um, you know, great driver from the, um, from the seventies. Um, you know, he, uh, he, he lost his battle this year. Dylan Cromwell, NHRA member, you know, that we had family members of uh, folks like uh, Nancy Wood and Bernice Wood, both uh, who were with the Wood brothers family um, passed away this year. I'm a Jean McDuffie uh, whose husband was uh, JD McDuffie. And you'll, you'll recall uh, we had um, Brock Beard on here. He's written a, a book on JD McDuffie's life there. Uh, Ramos Stott, another great driver there. Um, and Charlie Glossback, uh, first got to go 200 miles at um, Talladega. Steve Richards from PRN. Uh, just a lot of folks uh, in the business we've lost this year. Wanted to just take a minute to just uh, uh, remember all of them. Yeah, you know, this year seems like, I, I don't know if it if it is or it isn't, but it seems like it's been uh, tougher than a lot of years. You know, we are reaching a point where a lot of people from a certain era are getting a certain age. Uh, when you see some of these, you know, big names um, just suddenly not with us anymore, uh, you know, you realize that, uh, you know, time marches on and stops for no one. So, no, um, no, most certainly for sure. And also uh, on the top of that, Danny Earnhardt, who was Dale Sr.'s brother, who's also been heavily involved with JRM over a number of years. That's another one. But, yeah, it's been a tough year in the racing world, even for even on on my end, we lost a couple classmates two of them and of course Richard with Frank who worked with him over the years as well so it's kind of hit home for a lot of us personally and certainly we lost our own colleague a draft in the circuits Gray Warren passed away this year uh, you know that's that's hit us certainly close to home uh, we all we all knew and loved Gray and enjoyed working with the man so uh uh, you know, again, just a tough year, but uh, so let's talk about the year in racing. Let's uh, get us onto a happier subject. And 2021 certainly offered a happier look at racing than 2020 did. You know, um, we, we were back to having uh, fans at the racetracks. We're back to having full schedules of races um, going off uh, on their scheduled dates uh, on Sunday. We, you know, um, we, we, we no longer had to be. Uh, transfixed for a whole weekend with uh, watching NASCAR guys race uh, video games because there was no uh, real action on the track. So, um, yeah, so uh, it's nice to get some bit of normalcy back there. There's still a few hiccups and bubbles here and there. We still, uh, uh, you know, IndyCar is still not racing in Canada. Uh, NASCAR didn't make their Canadian swing. There were a few Formula One races uh, that were moved, but some of the venues that picked to move them too were pretty, uh, pretty interesting and fun to watch for sure. Um, but yeah, so let's, uh, let's start just kind of dissecting this year with just a couple of different categories and topics. And, and I'll, 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 let's start with what was the biggest surprise of the year. Okay. And, and I'll start here for me. The biggest surprise of the year was Alex Palou. Um, I mean, we knew the kid was good. Um, you know, we knew that, uh, he was picked up by Ganassi, uh, yeah, yeah, but we also know that, you know, Ganassi is 
largely built around Scott Dixon. And, and, you know, since Dario left that team, Dixon's been the only one on that, uh, on that team to actually contend for a championship. And here, Alex Palou, second year in the series, out of the box, wins the championship, wins the championship in fine form too. Um, you know, he, the, the kid barely put a wheel wrong, uh, all year long. Uh, you know, he was, uh, very smooth, very Catholic, very Dixon-esque at times, you know, um, which is what it takes to win titles. If you just look at a guy like Dixon's record. So I thought that was, uh, my biggest surprise of the year that like I said, I knew he would be good. I didn't think he would, you know, contend for and win a championship uh, year two. I think the only, the only downside to Palou as the champion is that he's, uh, I, you know, he's kind of quiet. He's not very active on social media compared to somebody like a new garden or a Hinchcliffe or even a Pato award. Uh, so he's a little harder to market as a star. Um, but, but again, so is Scott Dixon. So if we draw the Dixon comparison there, um, yeah, I think uh, Palou for me was the biggest um, pleasant surprise of the year. Uh, now, now Richard, what's uh, what, what was your biggest surprise of the year? Uh, we're we talking IndyCar or we're talking any, any series in general. We're talking motor racing, motor racing in general, anything, anything at all. Yes. I, I picked an IndyCar one for mine, but you can certainly talk about uh, anything you like from a soapbox derby to a formula one <laughs> and anything in between. Um, yeah, biggest surprise. I don't know, for me, I mean, obviously, you know, the biggest one I think though you mentioned in IndyCar's performance, but um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to pick a maybe a surprise that goes the other way as as an under as a disappointing surprise rather than a good surprise. If you like. Oh, I, um, I have that as a topic for later. Biggest disappointment. Oh, okay. So I'll I, say, I guess I'll I, guess I should I guess I should have phrased <laughs> this as the biggest pleasant surprise. Yeah, and. and Okay, I, I probably wouldn't say it's a surprise, but I think it was a good execution of, I think, what we all knew, and that was Kyle Larson. Um, you know, everybody knew the kid had the talent and the ability, and obviously, you know, everything that went on with him in 2020 sort of made us a bit, oh, well, you know, what's going to go on here? And we all wanted him to see him in a top drive, and no disrespect to Ganassi. And um, I, I think it was the surprise that he went there and dominated the season in the way that he did, and then he won the first you know, year at Hendrick. Um, I don't think it's a surprise that, you know, he's a NASCAR champion. I think, as I say, more a surprise of when he did it. Um, but the kid's impressive. So, you know, maybe is it a surprise? Nah, in a way, but um, that, that, that was one of the big things that I'll sort of take. The, the Formula One side, you know, there's the odd race here and there that I would consider a surprise, you know, Ocon winning or Ricciardo winning, but... Um, you know, and the 23 races going down to the very final lap, I guess, was a surprise by Formula One standard. And maybe the whole fallout and how the final few laps there were managed would be considered a surprise because normally Formula One, everybody looks at as like the pinnacle of organization and sort of de facto um, race management from a steward standpoint, you know, and not, not in a disrespectful manner. We, we sort of, come to expect and almost enjoy some of this sort of farcical sort of, um, you know, stewarding in, in maybe a NASCAR race. And for any of you, you know, follow any of the old British humour from the 1970s, you know, you can imagine a little bit of the old Benny Hill music going on in the background while they were trying to organise the uh, the end of the season Abu Dhabi race there with, uh, with the stewards. 
but um, yeah, you know, are they surprises? I, I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, certainly, certainly points of interest and note anyway. All right. And Louise? Team Penske. Here's why. Aside from Joseph Newgarden, Team Penske, and maybe Ryan Blaney, Team Penske as a whole took me as a surprise at how they were not there, period. As far yeah. as... As far as race wins are concerned, because they really is like they and they're locked for that matter. Because when you look at the IndyCar side, there were a couple instances where maybe <laughs> New Garden could have won early in the season. There's also Will Power that you felt like the ref might have hurt him with the cooling system and all that costing him. And he just was not there. Pagano was a huge disappointment. And it would surprise me how Scott McLaughlin struggled a bit to where when Roman Grosjean was competing. Grosjean outclassed, outperformed him all around the board in a car that you don't really expect. In the eyes of many people, don't expect him to be competitive. For me, obviously, we know a coin car can do good depending on who's in behind the wheel. We've seen that for years with Bourdais. We even saw a little bit of Ferrucci. And who knows, we'll see the same thing with Takuma Sato in 2022. And then on the NASCAR end, Blaney finally got the multiple wins under his belt, but for Keselowski and Logano, they only get like single wins, if I recall. That's a surprise because they've usually been there competitively winning multiple races or be out front this year. They weren't really quite there compared to previous seasons. So that all took me by all surprise. All right. So, so you obviously misunderstood the question about the biggest <laughs> pleasant No, that's a surprise. That's a no, I'm combining the surprise together. I got one that is more disappointing than Team Pesky. Oh, okay. You got you got okay. So let's yeah. Keyword. Let's, move, let's yeah. move. Let's move on to uh, more happy stuff other than Team Penske's woes. Uh, you know, not like Rogers hurting. Uh, but the, <laughs> the, the most memorable moment of the year, and I think I, we all be hard pressed to not say Elio Castro Nevis winning that fourth Indy five hundred, and and his genuine reaction and the crowd's reaction. I, I, I that's. Yeah, that's one for the history books. Combined with Elio's fantastic drive that took him there. I mean, this is not one that fell into his lap. This is this is one where he displayed a, a tremendous amount of skill and experience. Um, and again, to a very surprising Alex Palou, who was right there toe to toe with him to the end. No, for sure. And I still feel like had it be, had Palou won that five hundred, the championship would have not been would have been decided at Laguna or maybe a little bit earlier when you look back at it, but be for sure that one would also take my, my pick for the most surprise. I'll come up with another one, but that one was the first thing I thought of because just the thought that Castor Nebus was quick. It was quick. You just didn't expect to beat right up there because all the talk was about Dixon and Renus VK and all those guys that have been quick. All, all across the board. And Castor Nevis was quietly lurking there, but nobody really thought about it much. But he was quick, and he showed in most in that Meyer Shank machine that he still got what it takes to get it done in Indy. And to see it firsthand, it's still hard to fully express it, how big of a deal that is, that 500. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So now, now Richard, over, over the pond there, Mm -hmm. uh, there were a number of memorable moments in Formula One this year, including some records being broken. So, uh, uh, what, what would what would you say would be uh, your most memorable moment of 2021? And it doesn't have to be Formula One. I'm just 
throw yeah i mean i think if we if we if we, we, we do look at that um you know obviously the as you say, the records are broken, some of the records that Hamilton broke, some of the performances and, and, and drives that Verstappen put in. Um, and of course, that, as we mentioned a minute ago, that final left in Abu Dhabi there. Um, but I think, I, I don't think that the, the biggest impression or the most memorable uh, takeaway from the season isn't one individual moment, I don't think. I, And again, this is maybe something would, that I've, sort of broached on this show before I think it's a culmination of events and a culmination of events which has led us to Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year I was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life changing amounts of cash be like Mary log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. that's ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner you know, a, a, a legendary season that's had two drivers at the top of their game pushing each other to unbelievable heights of performance that probably neither of them ever thought they could get to. And I don't think they would have got to if, if they were, didn't have their, you know, appropriate rivals out there to push them. So I think the most memorable thing from the whole season is that gain of performance and that gain of um level that two very, very, very competent teammates in um, Sergio Perez and Valtteri Bottas have been nowhere near obtaining those levels. Um, And that, for me, has been the most memorable thing, seeing those two guys week in, week out, just destroy the competition and and push each other further and further, further and further. Yeah, you know, I knew you were going to say that because uh, we've been talking about that all year that we're, we're in the midst of watching yeah. one of the most yeah. fa- fantastic seasons ever. And it's it certainly, again, like I say, you know, even with the records being broken, it's one for the record books just as far as, oh, you know, phenomenal the level of competition. Phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah so um, now, yeah, now let's talk about some of these other, the the, the good news, bad news stuff. What, what, what? The biggest upset, you know, sports, we like to talk about a big upset. Mm. So, uh, Louise, I'll let you, I'll let you lead off this one. I don't want to start all of them, but uh, the biggest upset of the year. is honestly a toss up of three for me. Of course, Michael McDowell winning the Daytona 500 comes to, it was a big upset in the sense that fr- front row had been good on point tricks. They just, at times, don't get the result they they how they do on the track, and McDowell being one of those prime examples for him to get it done, put himself in the excellent position. Obviously, when Penske imploded in that final lap with Logano and Keselowski opened the door for McDowell, that to me was a huge upset still because it's just how long of a journeyman McDowell has been from starting parts of even before starting parts, Star Mazda and all that. Pro Mazda, and they go to Star Park Purgatory to now being a tenured veteran to the series and finally got the win that I felt like he's been in the mix every now and then. The second one is Esteban Ocon and Alpine at Hungary. I was never expecting Alpine to be 
a contender for winter, let alone podiums this season. For Ocon get that win, it kind of boosted the confidence and morale of that team. They, they kind of carried it the second half of the season with Alonso with the podium at Qatar to even Ocon being just about a second away from getting a podium at, at Jeddah. So that one was just huge surprise considering Ocon was gone out of Formula One for a couple of years. Didn't have the greatest reputation when he was with Force India. So for him to get it done, that took me by a huge surprise. And last but not least is Tate Fogelman at Talladega when he got wrecked. <laughs> at the, and the, the kind of anybody in the truck series got wrecked at some point because that was the tale of the season. If you would have told me, I, I know it's Talladega. I know you get all that shenanigans, but I was never in a million years I expected Tate Fogelman to get a win based on his luck and performance since he's been in the truck series in a year ago. So those three are the ones that stood out to me most. Okay. And now Richard biggest upset. Uh, ooh, I mean, Formula one wasn't really an upset, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, you can look at uh, a couple of those races, but the biggest upset, and I'm going to put an event down a moment rather than actual race. The biggest upset was, the restart with two laps to go at Azerbaijan when Hamilton screwed up that restart and, and went straight on at turn one. That there's an upset because they just don't make mistakes like that. And a team like Mercedes don't make mistakes like that. And it, uh, you know, you could argue it cost them the world championship. And uh, yeah, that was a that led to Perez winning the race, which wouldn't necessarily call an upset. But it was certainly a, uh, you know, that in, individual moment in time was, was a huge upset and a huge shock because they don't make mistakes like that. Certainly, yeah. And that you know, falls right into Ocon winning there. Um, for me, you know, um, there, weren't a tons of, there weren't a ton of surprise winners uh, out there with that you could really call an upset. I, I mean, certainly... Again, you know, Meyer, Meyer Shank winning the Indy 500 can be considered an upset, but when you've got a ringer like Elio Castro Nevis behind the wheel, that you know, you kind of you're stacking the deck a little bit. But I just, and just if you just look at the stats for the year overall, I find it quite um, surprising or <laughs> that the the one Formula One uh, manufacturer team that has a one-two this year. It's not Red Bull. It's not Mercedes. It's McLaren. McLaren. McLaren has the only one-two on the season, which I, I think that's that's you know <laughs> that's pretty incredible yeah. right there that we didn't see uh you know the the Red Bull fellas or the um, Mercedes fellas finish uh, one-two on the podium at all. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. To think McLaren were the only ones to do that. I know, right? And that's you know, just and McLaren has just been improving and improving, and I'm uh, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to see what they've got next year. I really, I really am. So, uh, but let's talk. Let's talk about um, oh, the biggest debacle or the biggest disaster. <laughs> say, let's say <laughs> other other than the finish of the championship. Oh, other than that, because we've all we've already. Do we want to talk? That, do we so. want to talk about the whole NASCAR se- officiating season? Because we could. We can we can? I was I was thinking more like a specific event, like oh, you know, like Spa would be one. Oh, yeah, uh, certainly, but but get money back. Yeah, yeah, but but for me, the um, the Cup cars at the Brickyard. Yeah, that, that was that, that was, was a bad. mess. That was a mess. I mean, 
I'm not. I'm not counting. Yeah, I they, still they may, stand as the worst race of the year. I don't count Spa. That was. Well, I don't count that as a race. Year. Yeah, but I mean the 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 Cup guys at the Brickyard made the Indy cars at Nashville look like geniuses. Uh, you know what okay, I mean? I've and, got, and, I've got and, one. And that was a mess. So go ahead, Richard. I've got one. The Cup cars at Bristol on the dirt. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I mean, oh, I don't want to talk. Was I, just a complete no. farce. I that mean, was it, it was it was it was doa it, it, like first yeah. off you don't have a choose rule where dirt racing like a choose rule is a common staple around a dirt racing it's not that hard to put a cone with a tight on a on a bull rope and pull it out once they the decision was made of where they're going to restart it's not that difficult that was the first well. red flag in my book but continue yeah i mean i just think yeah look i i don't have a problem with with you know the cup series dirt racing it's great i think it can be entertaining i think it can be you know everything that they want it to be but go to a goddamn dirt track don't go to a, <laughs> yeah you know, don't yeah. don't put a round peg in a square hole which is basically what they were trying to do they were trying to go well shit, nobody turns up and watches the bristol races anymore after it used to be the one sell out of the seat or twice a season nobody goes to watch these things so what are we going to do for pour so many tons of mud on the damn thing and expect it to be a spectacle. And it was a spectacle, but for the wrong reason. No, I just yeah, think I they, still, they completely still, lost what yeah. they were trying to do. Still can't get over the truck race. They tried to get going, but, you know, one one yeah. lap in, everybody's windshield was caked with so much mud. Nobody yeah. could see where they were that going. That was now. like a quarter of the field. That was a heat race. Yeah, yeah. And and that was that was a mess. Yes, again, to your point. <laughs> but what are we doing now? Now we're going to build a, a, a track inside a football stadium. So again, yeah, we'll see how learned. we'll see I how that say, we'll see I how that goes. Yeah, one is pavement; it is another being dirt. Yeah, I mean, build a yeah, you know, yeah, build build a proper dirt track, and and it'd be great, and have the proper facilities, the proper setup, and you know, I think it'd be fantastic. Um, but don't you know? They just yeah, that that wasn't a smart move in my book. Um, that was, um, yeah, unfortunately, did, uh, say typical NASCAR trying to, you did give me an idea for, as, as far as the most disappointing thing, I was going to mention one thing, but now, now that you brought up something out of my memory bank, I got one better. Okay. So do you want to wait till we get to the yeah. topic, topic of biggest disappointment or, or, or do you just want to, uh, I don't know. We were talking, <laughs> I thought we were talking about it right now. No, we're like, talking about the biggest debacle. Oh, debacle. Yeah. Okay, debacle. then, yeah, yeah, let me talk. Okay, debacle. <laughs> this is more debacle. Jeez. How about it? Anyways. Yep. Go for it. Debacle. Truck series season. Bad. I don't know how in the world. I know it's a lower, it's like the third division in NASCAR. I get that. I don't know if it's the lack of practice. Some people say it's the lack of practice. Some people say, no, the lack of practice has been a little, it hasn't been the issue. Oh, it's the, it's the race surface. Oh, it's the circuit and all that. No, it's the whole season. And I point to Knoxville in the truck series. Good grief. How do you stink up the joint towards the very end? How do you fall flat on your face and, and that one? You did find an Eldora. I get it. Eldora is a different track than Knoxville. But how do you fall blue to the face? At, at, at the very end of the Knoxville race, the final, what, 10 laps lasted like two and a half hours to me. And it's like, I think it goes down to the drivers. It's like back in the truck series, especially in the pinnacle, you had veteran drivers, established drivers from the West, from the West Coast as well. 
that neuter common ground. I think it boils down to a generational thing to where you have a lot of kids that just tear up race cars with no consequences. And those yeah, veteran drivers. You got a lot of race. very young drivers in a truck series. Yeah. You got a lot, a lot of just little kids out there. Yeah. You don't have like a stab, like the, what you had in the late, in the 2000s, we have former cup guys in their fort that are now in their forties setting the tone. When you had your Ron Hornaday, Jack Sprague, Todd Bodine, who's going to run a few races next year as we speak. Mm. You had is, the- is that is that the purpose of the truck series though is it the purpose to you know you want those that's you know if you look at nascar and the ladder at nascar if you want to get into the cup series your traditional progression will be arca then truck then xfinity then cup no, uh, for sure. do you want you know half a dozen your know, 45 year old guys running around you know yeah maybe competing maybe not uh, I mean, I'm a bunch of old guys re- re- reliving their younger days. Yeah, you know, because they kind of gained that identity after for a, a little bit, but you also, ha- but you had that mixed blend of younger guys, veterans, and those who are getting second chances back then. Yeah. These days, it's more of like a little bit of second chance, but also more or less just mostly a, a breeder system. And some of them bode well in trucks. Some of them don't. Like Harrison Burton, you saw in trucks, he was meh. But in a car, he did a little bit, a lot better. But you wouldn't see it in any other series. You wouldn't see, you know, Castro Neves drop down to Indy Lights. You wouldn't see, uh, you know, Kimmy going to run a Formula. Well, you may see that with Kimmy. Sorry, that was a bad example. But, you, you know, you wouldn't see an experienced driver in any other series apart from cup racing drop to a lower category i mean in in, in gp2 if you win the championship yeah. in gp2 you're not allowed you know that's it you're done so it's um you know i i i i think that i know what you're saying in terms of some of the standards of driving and the like but i don't think back filling the seats with some of these older guys is the way to go i think they they need yeah, to learn I, to... You know, I, I want to say when the when nascar introduced the truck series uh, you know and i remember when it was new it really wasn't an established part of the ladder it was just kind of on its own it was just kind of out there a standalone uh, which attracted some of these older guys to it couldn't but now it is an established part of the ladder um so and I think and, and like, it should and Roush it should paved be. the way for that with Biffle and Bush and what we right. saw from and, them. And again, it should be populated with young guys uh, wanting to move up. But yeah, but I want to say that that very early years of truck series, it was kind of a uh, they, they didn't really know where it fit in 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 the in the scheme of things. It was you know just a, a bit of a standalone. It was a bit of a novelty, honestly. Yeah. Um, if and, anything, and I think it was, I think it was like, top level for West and Southwest drivers to compete. Yes, on certainly. Yeah, it was. They were closer to the Cup cars than they were to the Xfinity cars or the Bush cars, as they called it back then. So, and I firmly, I don't, you know, I don't know if NASCAR needs that rung on the ladder. Honestly, I, I for years I thought they could just, uh, you know, take the truck and Xfinity to combine them. Particularly since the uh, Xfinity series really suffers from a. Uh, uh, lack of viewership uh, you know you could just put a little more power in them trucks there and make that the uh the second rung on the ladder and then put a little more focus on arca but um but then again i don't run nascar so yeah there we go meteor but yeah the biggest debacle is just kind of the whole truck series season as a whole with knoxville being the highlight that's just how it's like and and also martinsville because you get it depends on who you talk to so there's so many opinions but at the end of the day it's like 
what is going on here? And it says, says it's just it was just rough. Hopefully in twenty twenty two, it's the the quality the product is a little is much better because I said it that twenty twenty one might have surpassed twenty seventeen. It's probably one of the worst in terms of quality that the season has ever had for the truck series. All right, so uh, here's an, here's an interesting question. Totally totally off the subject of racing and racing action and debacles and surprises, but uh, more on the aesthetic. What was your favorite livery of a race car this year? And there were some nice ones and and there were some ugly ones. Well, I'm not going to tell the ugliest one in my book, but I tell you, do tell (laughs) it's a, okay. It's a toss up of Brandon Brown's in Nashville. What in the world was that? Is it trying to look like a guitar? That one just didn't so to that. That one just was his eye sore. I sore, excuse me. Ricky Stenhouse, Tide Kroger. What was that? That's not a Tide ride. That's just a hybrid of just JTG Dordery's paint schemes just being so lit, being so bad. It, it's like they could be good, but they're just so bad around the board that it's making it difficult. As far as my favorite livery is concerned, it's a toss up between. The Grape Digger car that Harvick drove in Nashville. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And honestly, the other one that stood out to me most is, quite honestly, Elio's Indy 500 livery. That one. Yeah, yeah, the pink and black is, yeah, that's really good. Well, you know, and that's Harvey's every throughout the season as well. Yeah, it's kind of like a reverse. I don't know. It's just like when you add a little pink and black, it looks more meaner. When when I think of pink and black, I think of the Hart Foundation, like Bret Hart and all of that. So to me, it's like that looks like a mean machine. And of course, it's those. It was fitting that that car won the 500 because I think that one was a nice looking livery. Those are the ones that top my head. I'm going to imagine there's a lot more, but that's the ones that stand out immediately. Uh, Definitely a lot of really good looking cars out there. Yeah. For me, I particularly liked, uh, even though it's very, a very simple and understated livery was the uh, Will Powers, uh, the matte black 5G Verizon. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. and I think that that's a bit of a response to the fact I really liked the old, the black and white, black and white with red trim Verizon that they had. And then they went to that god awful silver car that was a dull silver for, for a number of years, including that's why I don't own the die cast of Will Powers Indy 500 winner because I don't, I just that that dull silver for me did just nothing for me. But the the matte black uh, 5G Verizon car for Will Power just you know just. 
black with uh, some, you know, white lettering and a little red trim. Very simple, very understated, but a darn fine looking car. Um, and another one I really liked was the McLaren cars on, on both sides of the pond, both their Formula One cars and their Indy cars. Uh, I, I just, yeah, I do like that papaya orange. I like the fact that it's uh, very prominent in the thing. I like the blue, the blue highlights in it. So now Richard, uh, how about you? Well, I've got, uh, I've got two from the Formula One season and, uh, you know, of course, the uh, McLaren livery, as you mentioned, is a you know it's a pretty stunning livery. But I wanted to pick their one-off livery that they ran at um, at Monaco, with the sort of classic Gulf, uh, you know, light blue and, and papaya orange uh, highlights to it. I thought that was a, a hark back to the sort of days of the Le Mans seven nineteen seventy sixties and seventies Le Mans car. Uh, looked looked stunning those uh, that livery. And the other one was the uh, the special livery that uh, Red Bull ran uh, for Honda. Um, the all white uh, car looked looked fantastic. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was really good, especially for you know Red Bull. Red Bull is is a is a you know, purely a marketing livery, and you're never going to see it change too much. Um, yeah, it so looks like it looks like a white. Yeah, it looks like a can of Red Bull. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, yep. you look at a Red Bull from when they first came in the in the mid two thousands there to the car you see today it's pretty much the same livery but that white yeah like that i think they did a really really good job with that and uh yeah as i said that mclaren there was was pretty nice as well absolutely all right so now louise are you ready for your biggest disappointments now yeah let's or, go or, or, or have you run out of stuff you're disappointed about since you've been <laughs> oh come on i said the boss <laughs> you didn't give me another option to say the memorable moment you just stuck with the elio one which i do agree which i don't have no problem with but you just gave me that brief explanation is my memorable moment but that's fine that's but fine the most disappointed honestly from a genuine perspective is harrison burton you go from have winning right out of the gate in Xfinity in 2020, winning multiple races, probably a title contender to just kind of be a complete afterthought in 2021. That genuinely surprised me more so that he's going to the Cup Series next season. Go after having not a not so good year, he was in the champ in the playoffs. He had some good finishes, but never really, honestly, in the mix for wins. Never was. Was surprised, genuinely surprised, because Harrison is, is a highly touted driver. He and I still stand that he and Todd Gillen are the two regional drivers in the recent years that I view in high regard. Harrison being the East and obviously Todd out West. And both of them are going to be cup rookies in 2022. But I'd expect Harrison to be a title favorite in 2021, but he wasn't really in that picture at all. Yeah, what do you what do you what do you think? It was a bit of a sophomore jinx. If if I'm hoping that's the case, uh, but we won't know since he's going to Cup. So much so that his teammate, who's not even who's no longer his teammate anyway, won the championship in in the finale. And Daniel Hamburg and Hamburg had more shots of winning than Harrison. No discredit to Daniel. He's also a heavily touted driver. But when you look at the bigger picture, you expect Harrison to be more of a guy to wins races rather than Daniel because of just how he's never won on a national level or a NASCAR sanctioned event in ages. That to me was the biggest yep. disappointment. Another, true, yeah. another one is Jack Harvey. I thought he'd be going for more podiums and maybe get a win under his belt. He, 
no, he just he really wasn't much in the mix. It's just unfortunate, and I'm really hoping going from Meyer Shank to Ray Hall, maybe we'll it'll reunite something. It'll be curious to see how he does at Ray Hall, but he was another one that took me by surprise. Now, I'm not going to mention Rossi because I think I mentioned it last year. Yeah, so. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to throw Ross, <laughs> Rossi into the mix there because he's uh, – but this is, yeah, the, the fact that Rossi is the biggest disappointment in well, three years running, right? So, I mean – Yeah, it yeah. starts to become a norm rather than a disappointment, doesn't it? Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder if the problem is him or the team, you know? So Yeah. Because uh, I see Colton Herta winning races. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, so Richard, for you, what's uh, – what was it? Um, I think for you, I think there's been two things that have really stood out, and and unfortunately, and they sort of transcend the sporting world uh, into into society. Really, the the reaction from the whole Brandon Brown winning Talladega and that whole outcome of that with the the, the sort of chants and the memes, and I mean, it's become a whole industry in itself now. Oh yeah, there and, was a lot of those and, and, in Phoenix. Yeah, and Brandon Brown actually gave an interview, uh, or he started to give some interviews, talking about that and how it's affected him on a personal level. And and people forget that, you know, I've got, you know, I, I've got friends who, you know, mention these this this sort of phrase, this catchphrase, if you like. And I said to them, "Well, do you know who this Brandon kid is?" They don't have a clue. Yeah, they, they people don't, people don't have, have a clue. clue. They just they just think ninety nine. Yeah, ninety nine percent of people do not have a clue who it is. Or how it's affected this kid, and and, and what it's doing to his career prospects. Uh, you know, admittedly yeah, and, not a, a top yeah. level driver. But, well, admittedly yeah. though, this should this win for him, right? Should be his shining moment in the sun. You know, yeah. And yeah because Same of a, a series of relates largely unrelated to, uh, you know. Him winning the race has kind of thrust his name into the spotlight, and most people don't even know who the hell he is. Like you said, no. And I think that's really, really disappointing. And, you know, it's just, yeah, I mean, that, that is what it is. And the other one on a, on a sort of similar note is, um, as has come out in the, in the media today with a statement, the backlash that Nicholas Latifi has received from the incidents around Abu Dhabi. Um, you know, yeah, his accident or his, 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 his spin and, and subsequent wreck there bought out the safety car, which ultimately decided the 2021 world championship but you know some of the reactions on social media and the like and has been totally uh, uh, uncalled for and you know he even said in his in his press release today you know he deliberately turned you know as soon as the checkered flag dropped he knew what was coming and that's pretty sad in itself that you know he knows that this is what's going to happen you know we all like and one of the great things about social media is that we can, you know, we see the humanistic side of the drivers in some instances and, and people can interact or like to think they're interacting with the drivers and, you know, they have this relationship with the driver because they, they like to tweet or whatever, you know, it's all silly really, but you know, it is another level of access, which we don't normally get in Formula one and now, but of course it does make these guys susceptible to this sort of like online abuse, which is, is totally uncalled for and totally, just just so disappointing that that you know sport which is supposed to be a break from normal life and the bullying and the narcissistic behavior and the politics that we see week in week out and it's just been dragged 
straight into the into the mainstream media is 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 just ugh, it's so disappointing. So disappointing. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Yeah, especially especially you know poor Brandon Brown. I mean that that kid didn't do anything to to no have his name associated with that. So I mean, yeah, yeah, it's an absolute it's an absolute shame as well. And not just that, it's just so much. There was so much stuff going on. Not just with Brandon Brown. I still ponder whether or not I should feel bad for Kelly Stavis as well, who got, with the whole deal because TV, you know, with TV, sometimes you hear one thing, sometimes you hear the other, but it's, it gets so complicated because they don't know what they're going through in the sense of what they have, what they're hearing over the headset. And also, it's just so much yeah, stuff yeah. going on. But we don't know how it's impacted Stavis at this point yet. We know what Brandon how that's affected him because it's a, like you said, this supposed it's supposed to be a monumental moment for the family led team that own that operates in two different shops, one in North Carolina, one in Virginia. So they put a lot of money into that that team, and now it's affected him to where some companies may not want anything to be involved with him, which is an absolute shame. Because Brandon yeah. has been one of those underdog drivers that has been quietly good. Made a playoffs last year as well, and, and that in and itself it was meant a whole lot to him. So we'll see how 2022 is going to shape up for him. You'll have TJ Majors as a spotter, so we'll see how yeah. it goes. Well, I, I, feel- I mean, you know, yeah, if there's any constellation, is these things kind of tend to have a, a rather short life to them until mm-hmm. people move well, on to the move on to the next thing that they're uh. We'll see. Chatting about, yeah. I think so. this one's gained. I mean, I must admit, when it all happened, I was, oh, yeah, it's a little bit stupid, but I think this has, uh, you know, gained a huge, way more traction than I ever expected. And you know, you, I just, yeah. you know, you, I just walk around some of the stores here in, 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 you know, North Carolina, and the number of t-shirts and the number of thing, you know, it's like, oh. wow, you know, there were so is, many of them at a, Phoenix, like, oh yeah. Everywhere I look, yeah. everywhere I turn, there was a chant, or there was a shirt, and all of that stuff. Yeah. And it's like they're yeah. not going to listen to what Steve Phelps said. Or they're going to take action for those who ever made those stuff for sale. Hell, I even yeah. saw, I even saw that phrase at my local mall. Yeah. Oh, it's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. It's, it's gone to that point. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah, right. Well, it's, uh... it's <laughs> anyway, moving on. Anyway, anyway. Um, a couple of things I was disappointed with this year. I was very disappointed that the the um, Nashville IndyCar race didn't go better. Um, I, I understand. I understand that the the event was great, the the crowds were great, uh, the crowd was enthusiastic, um, and the race has been renewed. It's going to be back on there next year. Um, all the uh, the event sponsors are back in for next year. But I'm I'm just disappointed for those fans that that. To a lot of folks, this would be their first exposure to IndyCar racing, and that is what they <laughs> had to see, you know. And and a lot of the issues were just with the overall design and the layout of the track, and the the place where they chose to have restarts uh, was not, you know, a, a wise decision. Uh, in in my eyes, we should have had the restarts back on that long straightaway going towards the bridge. But I, you know, it's, it's behind us now. It is what it is, but I, I'm very disappointed that, that that was an opportunity to capture a ton of new fans. You know, Nashville is a, a growing city. Uh, it's one of the, the, the bigger markets. It's 
it's a big sports market too. They've, you know, they've done oh, well yeah. with their, with their football and, and the hockey team they have down there, the predators. And, um, you know, it's just, <laughs> I just hate it that that's, that's the way it went, uh, you know, and, uh, this is what folks first exposure to IndyCar is. So I'm hoping that the, the they get a great crowd next year, uh, that they, you know, Tony Thomas talk about, you know, making some changes to the track, uh, some changes to the layout and hopefully they'll put on a better show, uh, next year. But for, but for, I found that pretty particularly disappointing, um, as a, a bit of a missed opportunity or a, a fumbled opera fun, fumbled opportunity, bungled, bungled opportunity. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right. So we're, um, yeah, we're getting close to the end of the show. So let's, let's talk about um, Richard. What are you most looking forward to seeing in 2021? Oh, 2022. You mean, 2021 yes 2022 yeah. i'm sorry yeah <laughs> 2022 yeah i feel like i lost oh, a year. i lost a year yeah. somewhere yeah so. haven't we all haven't we all um yeah well there's, there's so many interesting storylines that could potentially come in, in in the next uh you know next year or so and 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 the two big ones i think from a you know from my mental sort of my mentality on an engineering standpoint is going to be the new a, you know, new aero packages and regulations that seen Formula One, you know, going for a more ground effect style car and the next gen car in, in, in the Cup Series. Um, both, both, both are, you know, offering a lot and promising a lot. Uh, whether they both deliver, uh, who, who knows, but it's going to be fascinating to see the teams get to, get to grips with that and having talked to a few guys, especially on the uh, NASCAR side of, of how these cars are going to be built. I mean, it really, you know, talking to one of the guys, in theory, you can now have a cup team of two mechanics. You, that's it. You, you buy a box of bits and lots of parts and a few wrenches and what have you, and two guys within three or four days, you can build a car. You know, phenomenal. You know, it's, it, it really is. It's phenomenal. Now, of course, that won't be a, you know, competitive by any stretch of the imagination, but it really is. Yeah, there's an initial impact that the teams are going to face with the cost, but I think long term this is going to be a really beneficial uh, scope for the teams out there, and I'm fascinated to see what it's going to do on the on the track. And unfortunately, it's going to be th- two or three races at least before we really get an idea, because we've got this dog and pony show over in uh, the Coliseum, uh, which is, I mean, what the yeah, you, know, you might as well give them those little you know, cars that five-year-olds get at Christmas to ride around and they may have more room than actually a proper stock car on a quarter-mile track or whatever it's going to be. Um, and then I just don't know why they... Don't, I have severe expectations for that event. They're, they they got to be specifically met for it to be successful and worthwhile. Yeah, but I, I, just, I would... I just, uh, I, I just wonder why they don't just go ahead and make that the last event for the old cars and just wreck, yeah. wreck the shit out of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, turn so, into a demolition derby. Yeah, you know, have at it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just think that that's all a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's that's going to be a bit silly. Then of course you got Daytona, which is uh, whatever. Um, and then I don't even know what the first 
air quotes, real races of 2022 on the cup schedule. Um, I think it's Fontana. After the okay. 500 is Fontana, well, which clashes with St. Pete, which I still have to figure that out. I mean, who's, sorry, that was ridiculous. So you go all the way over to L.A. for this ridiculous marketing stunt of the clash or whatever they want to call it. Then you go all the way to Daytona. Then you go all the I mean, Greta Thunberg must be having a field day with all that. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Sorry. But no, I, I think, and then in Formula 1, obviously, the, you know, the new package, which is going to be visually very, very different. Um, you know, obviously... Not a not a complete change in how the cars handle as you as you're going to see in the Cup Series, but certainly a change in in the aero package and how these cars generate downforce. Um, so yeah, that's going to be fascinating, and how the teams react because it has been such a big uptake in in resource. You know, are you going to see the teams like Mercedes and Red Bull that were pushed so hard in 2021, uh, you know, struggle to be up to the pace in 2022 and some of the teams that openly admitted that 2021 was a was a was a was a dud, you know, in terms of car development on a on a major, excuse me, major scale, you know, the McLaren, Ferrari, Alpine, you know, these these sort of middle of the pack teams, you know, how are they going to react? Are they going to suddenly take this big leap going into um, you know 2022 because they sacrificed 2021? Um, despite winning races in Alpine's and, and McLaren's case. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be you know, those first few months of, um, of 2022 on those two levels are going to be, they're going to be fascinating. All right. And uh, I'll go next. Uh, something I'm, a couple of things I'm really looking forward to in uh, 22. We'll make sure we get the year correct would be. <laughs> uh, I'd really like to see how Takuma Sato does uh, with Dale Coyne. And at the same time, I'm really interested to see how uh, Roman Grosjean gets on uh, and Andretti. Uh, Andretti seems to be a team in need of some help. Uh, Grosjean seems to be, uh, if you look at what he did in the coin car, he seems to be um, mm-hmm. a very contributing factor uh, to, to success there. And, uh, you know, despite their shortcomings the last couple of years, Andretti still has all the pieces in place uh, to make a run at the championship. Uh, look no further than, um, you know, Colton Herta winning some races uh, last year. So the, all the, the elements are in place. And, and I'm wondering if uh, uh, Romaine is the missing piece. Uh, and the other thing that I'm really interested to see, because a lot of people are kind of uh, writing this guy off and downplaying it, but I, I really want to see how Jimmy Johnson performs at the Indianapolis 500. Yeah. There have been yeah, a number of guys that, that have come over that have not been uh, IndyCar guys right that have come over and done well at the uh, 500 uh, look no further than kurt bush a couple of years ago uh, kurt came over and he represented himself and his series quite well with a great run uh to i believe um sixth place and rookie of the year honors uh but everyone's you know writing jimmy off saying he won't qualify he you know he won't but i mean jimmy jimmy on an oval in an indy car is a whole different whole different game than jimmy on a road course and um, and he did improve towards the end of the season. He he did, you know, but, but he was never Laguna he was, was never a great road course guy to begin with, and no. the and the learning curve from uh you know stock car to an Indy car is steeper on a road course than it is on an oval. And I and I, you know, and and again I go back to Dario Franchitti's comments that it's easier 
to get out of a stock car and get it in an Indy car on an oval and see how far you can push the car than it is to get out of an Indy car and into a stock car and see how much you have to dial it back or dial back. And, he'd know. <laughs> yeah. and he would know. Yeah. So I, I yeah. think that Jimmy is going to, um, I, I, I don't think he's going to embarrass himself. I'm not going to say he's going to contend for how, the win or the pole, but I don't believe he's going to embarrass himself. Quickly, Frank, sorry. How do you think Jimmy will do as a, you know, having a, having had 2021 under his belt, how do you think he's going to do as a full season? Uh, as a, as a, you know, not a rookie and, and somebody that's got that experience behind him. I, I feel like he'll still struggle in some places, particularly. I, I see him continuing to struggle at some of the street courses, the, the tighter ones. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to be last place every week like he started out last year. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's the thing. He's got I, I a think, little bit better from that. We saw that at Laguna. Yeah, I think we may we may see him on the podium once if uh, you know if a yellow comes his way and he's in in the right pack of cars. Um, you know, I, I think he'll yeah, be like a regular middle of the pack. You know, any finishing anywhere from tenth to fifteenth. You know, maybe get a couple of top tens in there. You know, I don't. Uh, again, I don't expect him to contend for the championship, but I, I think, no. Uh, again, I think he'll do well at Indy. Uh, I mean, the guy's won the Brickyard mm-hmm. a couple of times. He knows his way around the track. You know, he knows the fast Very line true. around the track. So, um, yeah, but I don't, you know, I don't think he's going to come out and, and challenge for, for wins, but I, I think he'll be, he'll be several steps up from where he was a year ago. Yeah. And, and, but I think the guy you're going to have to watch out for next year is Groshan. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think he was very impressive with the limited resources he had. Didn't he? Yep. And, uh, you know, the other kind of disappointing guy last year was Scott Dixon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm wondering One if win. He, which is for Scott Dixon disappointing and not in the title fight at the end of the, at the end of the year, which for Scott Dixon is you know, nearly unheard of. He hasn't, especially when his teammate was the one that won the title. It wasn't like, you know, uh, Ganassi were out to sea all year and he didn't, you know, you know, there was, he was nowhere in the pack. You know, he was, his teammate was the one that was winning. So it's like, that yeah, was yeah. even Erickson, 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 Erickson won yeah. twice. Erickson won twice. Yes. Yeah. So Erickson beat him yeah. as well. So, so I don't know if we're Scott Dixon is, is winding up his career or if he just, just had a little bit of an off season and they're doing some, some structural structuring management structure changes that at uh, Ganassi this year. And we'll see how that works out. But I still think, uh, you know, I still feel like Scott at, well, he's just now what 40, he's going to be 42 this year. So he's still, you know, relatively, relatively in his prime. Um, you know, all things considered when you consider the guy that just won the Indy 500 was 46. So. Hope for me. Hey, <laughs> no hope for me. I'm way. I'm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Louise, what are, you looking, what, what are you looking forward to in 22? That rookie of the year battle for the Indianapolis 500. It is a curious, curious one because you'd not just have Roman Grosjean and Jimmy Johnson, but you also have Kyle Kirkwood and also the younger guys that is more established on road courses like Devin Dale DeFrancesco, Colin Law, Christian Lungard. How will they do on the all of them for that matter? How will yeah, they got do a on strong, the strong rookie class? Yeah, yeah. Um, the only one that I think has experience on no, no. Kirkwood never got a no. He never had a chance at the Freedom One Hundred. So we're looking at almost everyone in that board in that rookie board 
with minimal to almost no oval experience on an open wheel cockpit. So the, well, Groshon ran Gateway. Johnson's going to have Texas under his belt by that point, but Indianapolis just is a whole different animal. No matter how, how much experience, how good you are at ovals, that one is a completely different animal to where sometimes you could be really good at Indianapolis and may not reward you with, with success, but look no further. If I, I This would have been a perfect analogy if we still had Michigan, but if you look at Michael Andretti and Scott Goodyear, they had Michigan 500 wins. No Indy 500s to their names, but they showed they've been really good. Well, so for, those two guys all, nearly won the Indy 500 on a couple of occasions. You know? But yeah, I'll be... That's the rookie battle. I am very curious and excited to look to see how that's going to unfold because there's just so much unknowns. Some say all oh, Groshan is the favorite. Some, I, I, some maybe think Kyle Kirkwood, perhaps, but we'll see. You don't know what will happen in Indianapolis. Sometimes you can be strong all month and you may not get rookie of the year. And look no further than with Ed Jones in 2017. He was the best finishing driver, but Alonso had the better month of May. That's the key. You got to have put an all-around good, strong month of May, not just the race itself sometimes. And your name being Alonso doesn't hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and the fact, well, the fact that Alonso led laps on the race too, you know. That is, so that's, that is. Uh, again, true. some people think that's the great robbery of all time that Ed Jones would not name rookie of the year, but uh, that's, that one was really tough to call, you know? Yeah, it, it's um, real tough, but that's I mean, the one they, thing. If, I'm there, like, if there was ever a case for co-rookies of the year, and they've had co-rookies of the year mm-hmm. at the 500 before, that would have been a good uh, case for uh, co-rookies. Of yeah. The year. And um, one other thing is Scuderia Ferrari, how they're going to do with this package system. How will Carlos signs? follow up a superb debut year into to a new different breed of we have with the package and the regulations and also the budget cap because science finishing fifth in a car that nobody really thought was going to be competing for podiums like Carlos was much less Carlos would be that guy that honestly outperformed Charles Leclerc in a lot of races. Mm. We, some of them. Okay. Correction. Yeah. Some he was impressive, but I still think Leclerc had the edge. Okay. But yeah, I'd be curious to see Ferrari how they how they'll do more so than McLaren. More so than McLaren and more so than Alpine. I'm curious to see how Ferrari does. Because they got momentum. I think the morale is a lot better than it was in 2020 and 2019. So that that's a good homage, but we're basically starting on level almost to his degree, back to square one to see who will this this new every all the new stuff benefit more. And I'm wondering how it'll b- help Ferrari, if anything. And you know, it, it's almost sad to see Ferrari not contending for wins because they, you know, again one of the oldest marks in the sport. Uh, you know, traditionally, uh, you know, they've got a lot of you know a lot of wins, a lot of championships. You know, they've had their up years and their down years, but. Uh, uh, you know, nobody likes to see Ferrari down for too long. You know, they're, they're too, they're too iconic of a brand uh, to be, you know, yeah. rele- relegated to midfield. So yeah, they're entering uh, 2022 with a two year drought, which they haven't had since 92, 93. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we are just about up at the end of the hour. So I'll, I'll give both of you a moment for a final thought on uh 21. Richard. Go ahead, Richard. 
Oh, final thought in 2021. Um, I mean, where where do you where do you start? About an hour ago in this show. Um, just controversy when it comes to the Formula One. It was a real shame, but I think I think Formula One will come back stronger. I think it will give an opportunity for the rule makers to really sit down and say that we need bulletproof rules here that have every set of contingencies as you know covered and and the base is checked and uh, yeah we, we move forward from there because yeah we can't certainly can never have a repeat of what we saw uh, in Abu Dhabi and uh, yeah it hurts and it's painful and it certainly wasn't good for the sport but uh, I think we're going to come back stronger from it. All right, and uh, Louise, as much as. A crapshoot it was 2021 with a lot of things in F1, NASCAR, IndyCar. I think, as we said at the top, as you, we're in a much better direction than we were in 2020. I think when I look back at it, it was much more optimistic to what's ahead. So it's a different breed we're going to deal with in 2022 all across the board. I'd be curious to see how the established veterans adapt because there are a lot of them that struggled. Some of them didn't even win. As, and, and the young guys just delivering or the ones that we expected them to be on top ended up being on top. So we'd be curious to see how they'll both age groups adapt into 2022. And when I look back at 2021, I just look at it that way. And also the end of an era and many factoids, like the people that we've lost in the IndyCar side, I still feel like the 500 is truly the end of an era of, of a certain age of IndyCar. So yeah, that's how I look at it. 2021, the end of an era, and also the start of more optimism going forward. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, you know, like a change of the guard, you know, kind of year 2021 was, uh, you know, we have, again, like I stated last week, three champions all under 30 um, with a lot of good racing years ahead of them. Uh, fine crops of uh, rookie drivers lined up for next year. Um, and, and then you've got, uh, you know, even, even other guys in the wings, like, uh, Oscar Pastrasi, who's kind of, uh, hoping to, hoping to break into formula one in uh, 23 while he's uh, taking a reserve driver role. Uh, just a lot of, a lot of great talent out there. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, if the seats can stay full with great talent and not, uh, uh you know, just filler, uh, that makes it better for everybody. So, but with that being said, we are out of time. So I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. I want to thank you, Richard Uden, and you, Louise Torres. Most of all, I want to thank you folks that listen to us. Um, we'll be taking our winter break. Everybody enjoy the holidays. Um, eat some good food. Spend some time with your family. If you travel, be safe. We'll be back on in 2022, round about uh, the time that uh, – Rolex 24 is happening. Till then, good night.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 